Hey, it's Against All Odds presented by FanDuel. Two new champions are about to be crowned. And with FanDuel, you could bet right up until the victory parades. Right now, you could check out the new and improved Parlay Hub filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, get in the action after the games have already started with live same-game parlays. Are you kidding me? Yes. They're available for every NBA and NHL game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 or older and 18 or older in D.C. and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, powered by Spotify. Our guest today was one of the most dominant defensive tackles in all of football. He ranks fourth all-time on the Bucks career sack list and third on the list of toughest guys to wear eyeglasses behind <laughs> Mike Singletary and Clark Kent. Gerald McCoy, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thank you. Are you I appreciate is that it. A, that, was a great, that was a great intro. I love is it. Is that a fair intro? That I've actually yeah, a comic a fair, book guy. Claire, yeah, Clark Kent's probably intro. not on. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair intro. Clark is Kent it? is not, eh, whatever. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a Batman guy, but I don't mind Clark Kent. You know, Superman, he's cool. You have Clark Kent. You have a Batman. What is that? Like a medallion? I can't. Can you hold that up? Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. I love that. Yeah. You spend a lot of money on these like comic books and comic book related uh, paraphernalia, don't you? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Back yeah. of an iPhone. You got it Bye. going. Yeah. Batman would, um, bat, real quick, Batman versus Superman. You acknowledge Batman. Superman. Batman. Really? Batman. How? Listen. Okay. Here's, here's how I see it. Um, it's all fictional, correct? I don't know so, about that. Yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah. It's all fictional, comic books, co- co- comic book characters, superheroes, all of it's fictional. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody had to think of it and write it. In my mind, whoever thought of the story and wrote the story, that's the only facts we can go off of is how they wrote the story. We can't like change the story that they wrote. There's different versions of it. There's um, reiterations of it, but the story that was written was written by the authors. Okay. In the story of the comic books that was written, Batman wins the fight. So who are we to go against what they wrote and say, oh, no, that's not real. Superman would have won. Well, duh, none of it's real. But in the fake world that they created, Batman wins the fight. So it's simple. They say Batman wins. Okay. We say Batman wins. That's how it goes. So it doesn't really matter. It's sort of like David and Goliath, right? So David won. And so it doesn't matter. Like, well, Goliath had all these superpowers. Well, Superman has matter. all these superpowers. It doesn't matter. It doesn't That's just matter. how it went down. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, I'll goes. take that. Uh, I want to talk NFL with you for a minute here, just for a minute. What a, mm -hmm. I want to talk specifically about what a great job your defensive brethren have done this season. Offensive efficiency in the red zones down 5% over the last three years. Scoring itself is down 3%. Touchdowns down more. Every idiot, including myself, wants to blame the O-lines or the poor quarterback play. Uh, mm -hmm. But maybe the defenders are the best we've seen in a while. But tell us how you see it. Uh, I think defenses are finally adjusting to the new rules. Mm -hmm. I think for a long time, the rule change of um, the pass interference rules, how linemen can tackle a quarterback, um, you know, just all the different rules they set to where there could be more points. Well, now... When the game was evolving, when the quarterback was changing, the style of quarterback that was coming in, the style of offense, offense is spreading out, not being as traditional, you know, quarterback under center anymore. Now guys are getting drafted and 75% of the snaps is in shotgun. Mm -hmm. That's not traditional or what we're used to. So that's why we started seeing so many points. Uh, all the zone reads. Um, you know, the different play actions, all the different ways that everybody was scoring. Well, I think defenses are finally catching up and figuring these things out. And that's why you're starting to see less touchdowns, uh, more efficiency on defense, because now we've caught up. We've caught up to the rule changes and the new mm -hmm. style of play. And I think that's all it is. I think the defenders were always great, but it's hard to adjust when you see all these new offenses. It's like, remember when Wildcat first hit the league and sure. Miami was destroying people with it? Now Wildcat is just kind of a thing. It's like a gadget. Whereas before it was like, whew, they was killing people. Then here comes RPOs and the evolution of the game. Well, defense is always adjust. Now offense has to figure out another way to like be dynamic on offense. And I just think that's what it is. The defenses are adjusting yeah. to the rules and catching up to the 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 evolution of the offense. Interesting. So that trend can continue with the low scoring games. But you know, one play that's working on offense, especially and really maybe even only for the Eagles, is that tush push <laughs> where yeah. Jalen Hurts gets a little help, gets shoved forward, third and one, fourth and one. How do you feel about this? Should the NFL ban this version of the quarterback sneak, or does it go in line of what you just said? Are the defense is just going to have to figure out a way to adjust? No, I don't. For me, I think people complain about it. It's like, um, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but it's like, oh, that's not a football play. Well, it's in the game. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. in the game. And if you can't stop it, you can't stop it. It's not their fault that they figure out a play. Because here's the thing. If it was league-wide, okay, I can see the complaint. But the Giants tried it. They hurt two of their own players trying it. Cowboys tried it last night. Didn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen a lot of other teams try to do it their way. They figured out and mastered how to run it. It's like Tom Brady run the QB sneak. Tom Brady was arguably the best ever at QB sneaks because it's like yeah. when he runs a QB sneak, he's getting the first down. Well, now the Philadelphia Eagles have figured out a way to run it in a way that is almost impossible to stop. So I look at it like this. If y'all don't like it, stop it. 
Mm-hmm. That's the only way to stop it. It shouldn't be a rule change because one team figured out how to run this one play to perfection. If everybody in the league was doing it, doing it rugby style, and it couldn't be stopped, okay, I could see it being a thing. But nobody's doing it like Philadelphia Eagles. So who cares? Like that's how I see it. Stop it. Just stop. Figure out a way to stop it. Get lower, or you know, I don't. Only only thing I'll say is we can't push on field goals anymore or use leverage to jump. So I think if they can push like that. They should allow on field goals us to be able to push again. That's just how I see it. So, by the way, why is that a rule anyway? You're absolutely right. I mean, and also you're into superheroes and everything. Who, who wouldn't want to see a guy flying over the center if he can to block the right. field goal? That's just more athleticism. They're, well, they're, again, it goes to the rule changes to get more points. It's all yeah, about scoring. Everybody wants to see points, 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 points. Uh, one of the uh, lowest viewed or rated Super Bowls was 2019 um, Patriots Rams. Terrible. I think the score yeah. was like, what was it, like 10 to 6 or 10 to 3 or something like that? Something mm-hmm. crazy. Nobody, and people hated it. I'm a defensive guy. I loved it because it's like, okay, <laughs> who's going to break free? You know, that's just how I seen it. But people want to see points. So the NFL knows we got to make money. So we got to we gotta get points on the board. Uh, that's, you know, that's just part of it. You talked about um, adjusting to the new rules. And, you know, one of those is we see this every week, a big helmet to helmet call or something, not even helmet to helmet. Some of these now they're like helmet to chest or something. And as a defensive player, I do feel bad for the defenders because I don't know when the quarterback or running back lowers his level at the last second. What in the world is a defender supposed to do to avoid contact to the helmet. I mean, to crawl, are you supposed to crawl to the quarterback? I, I'm not sure what the answer is. There isn't one. You know, you take a, you go to the combine in Indianapolis every year and you watch this 300 pound, 6'4 athlete run a 4'7 and we praise it. And it's like, look at this phenomenal athlete. Let's draft him extremely high because I know when he gets to the next level, the things he can do on this field is going to be phenomenal. Let's love it and let's praise it. Let's see how fast he can do it. And then when he gets on the field and actually does it, they're telling you, hey, you, 300-pound, 6'3", 4'7", running athlete, I need you to Mm -hmm. stop on a dime and adjust your body so you don't hit him a certain way. It's not realistic. It's just, it's not. These are the greatest athletes in the world and you're asking them to like limit their athleticism in a sense, sure. because when we're coming off blocks and we're going to hit the quarterback where the defense alignment are the only position in practice that can't finish. I don't think people understand that quarterbacks can finish running backs can finish all they runs. They can duck their shoulder and run to the end zone. Receivers mm-hmm. can finish DBs can finish through the ball to the ground. They can knock it down. They can intercept it and run to the end zone. Offensive linemen can run you into the ground. It's just called a pancake. Uh, linebackers, if we're doing the third period, if you hit hard enough, you can you hit them, they go to the ground, but you can literally wrap up. As a defensive lineman rushing the pass in practice, we can't touch the quarterback. So we don't have a chance to work on not well, tackling a certain way. Yeah. So when – we're running in practice, like even in practice, let's say, let's take it away from the D lineman. Let's say a DB comes downhill and 
he's running full speed to hit somebody. He's not practicing how to hit in practice because he's not hitting his teammates like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when do guys get a chance to practice this? That's not realistic. So I think if they would throw more flags on the offense for lowering their head, I think right. it would even out. But what's the chances of them doing it? They started you know, to it, for a minute, and then they uh, – I haven't seen it They were throwing them, but the if you yeah. go like – Versus how many was happening on defense versus how many are happening on offense. Because no, no running backs, from the time you're a kid, they teach you duck your shoulder, right. you know, cover the ball up. That's how they teach you to run. Well, they teach us to rap <laughs> and lift. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's uh, yeah, and it's yeah. twofold too. Because mentally, you're you know you're you want to get that quarterback, you want to get that running back, and then physically, you're necessary, right. man. How, how, do, you get turn, on the how do you turn it off? Yeah, there's a That's great the clip of, of you. There's a great clip of you um, hitting Big Ben, and yeah. then he tries to slow up, and then you. <laughs> it seems like you apologize. Well, a lot to of him. people think that I was apologizing for hitting him. Uh-huh. The reason I did that because that was fresh. Uh, the new rule, the new rule had just set in uh-huh. that year, and uh, when I hit him, you know, quarterbacks they get hit and they immediately look at the ref like, "Oh, did you see what he did?" Oh. My fault, Ben, came out because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I hit him. Don't get to complaining. A lot mm-hmm. of people think I said that because I was being nice to the quarterback. It has nothing to do with that. I did that like, bro, I didn't really try and hit you like that. I wanted to, but I understand the rule. I want to hit you, but I didn't try and hit you that way. So please don't get to complaining. I'm not going to say that on the field like, Ben, don't get to crying because I hit you. <laughs> My fault right. then just came out. And a lot of people think I was just apologizing for hitting him. I would have never apologized for hitting a quarterback. That's the I name see. of the game. And I love doing it. I'm not apologizing for hitting anybody. Yeah. So that's I, where that's why they came out, because that rule, and it was just like instinct to like, oh, my fault. And I still got a flag. And if 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 they would have kept the clip rolling, you would have seen I looked back and was like, ah. Oh. Because right. it was like, it don't, it's just, it's stupid. I think Do it's you, stupid. Do you, uh, I mean, offensive players complaining to refs eventually, I think, pays off a lot of the time. Does it work the other way, too? If you say, hey, 73 is holding me every time I'm in there. All you can do is, before the game, be cool with the refs. I used to tell jokes, you know, get on their good side, whatever. And I would tell them, hey, listen, you know, I may always made a joke with refs. I would tell them, hey, listen, we got a really good defensive line. And we're really good at rushing the passer. So if we're not getting sacks or hitting the quarterback every play, it's probably a hold. <laughs> I would tell, you know, I'll tell the rest that. And then yeah. as the game goes on, I'll be like, hey, you remember how I told you before the game? Just kind of look at so and so. Look at check him out. Just see what you see. And then that's how you get calls. Ralph, come on, man. What is it? That's never gonna get you a call. Right. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah, um, it's not getting you a car. Let's talk about. Uh, well, first of all, I want well, this. Uh, uh, this tickles me to no end. Your number, number ninety three. You wore it your entire career, uh, yes. including when you went to the Panthers. But it, it got it got pretty expensive. Explain yeah. how uh, Kyle Love is not an NFL agent after this. <laughs> um, Kyle Love wore the number ninety three before I got there, and it's just kind of a legacy thing for me. Um, in little league, I wore the number three. A lot of people wonder where 93 came from. They think, oh, it's Leroy Selman, it's this and this. No, hmm. my faith is very important to me. And the number three came from the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when I got to high school, I wanted to wear my last year in Little League, I wore 99, obviously for hmm. Sap. Then hmm. I got to high school. Um, when we got new jerseys, 
they had to pick in between 97 and 99. Well, the older player, the senior, got to pick first. So he picked 99. It's like, well, dang, I'm going to pick 97. One of my mentors is Tommy Harris, Oklahoma Lombardi Award winner. Mm -hmm. First round pick. Lovey Smith's very first draft pick when he took over in Chicago. Three-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle. He was a huge mentor for me, so I wore 97 my last two years in high school. Get to OU, somebody has 97. So it's like, all right, now I got to figure <laughs> this out again. So I said 93. I didn't even know Leroy Sam was 93 at the time because I wasn't a historian like I am now. Right. Um. So I just multiplied it. Three times three is nine. Leave a three over. That's three, three. Oh, well, there we go. So I picked 93. Well, <laughs> Because I had wore it so long, it was like, I can't see myself wearing any other number going anywhere else. So um, Kyle Love was there and we just worked out a number. He pushed it pretty high. <laughs> but What did you was, offer him was, first? I, I, I'm, I'm crazy to think about that negotiation. Well, Do you well, offer him 50 I mean, grand? Yeah, I offered him something, you know, uh -huh. and it, it just got pushed pretty high. You know, how oh, that went is how it went, but... I ended up paying what I paid and, uh, you know, I don't feel bad about it because I made it right back. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, is, yeah. is that the biggest purchase you've made aside from like a house? And a car. Yeah. And a car. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. House, a car in New Jersey. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, look good on you. 93. I want to yeah, talk. I mean, before. like a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people gave me a hard time about it. It was like, Oh, why would you do that? This is this. Dion bought his teammate a car. Uh, -huh. He bought him a car and left it. He set him, he had a car delivered to a facility and put the keys in his locker so he could have his number. So it's not far-fetched what I did. Yeah. His mind just happened to be cash. I didn't purchase him a vehicle. Right. You know, like was the car like a uh, Toyota Corolla or was it a, something substantial? Nah, he was at <laughs> he was this is listen, this is prime we're talking about. Do you think yeah. that he was driving something like that? No. He said he was at the dealership. They told him his teammate was up there about to purchase a car. He bought it for him so he I could see. have his jersey number. And he told him, now give me my number. That was how he delivered it. Drop the keys off. Now give me my number. There you, you go. Know, so it's like, so. It's common. That, it's fairly common. To yeah, do things like it this. is. Yeah. 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 One more question. Um, if men wore loincloths, what size would you wear? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, when he asked me that, I didn't know what a loincloth was, so I just named something that would be the size I would wear it, but I would never say a 3X again. I'm going to have to go okay. a large. Oh, really? Say large. Did something yes. happen? Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go large. Yeah, that was, so everybody was like, why did you say 3X? Because I didn't know what a freaking loincloth was. Like, I, did you think it was a hat? What did you, uh, what did you I actually? I thought it was like a, like a. I didn't know if it was oh, like jacket. a quilt, a jacket or something. <laughs> and everybody's like, I said, he said, if men wore them. So yeah. clearly I'm not the, you know, sex that does wear them. So how I would see. I know? Right. So I just right. threw out a, like, I don't know, 3X, freak. Yes. That's, that's the size I wear and stuff. So I thought about myself, not, you know, general consistency. But hey, everybody giving me a hard time about that. I still got 130 points. So yeah, they only go. needed 200. So Diggs didn't do that great. So without my answers, we wouldn't have got our 200 points. So I'm just saying. Go check that out. It's a great clip on Celebrity Family Feud. You had Steve Harvey in stitches. Uh, you, yeah. That's hard to do, by the way. That's not easy. Usually right, he right. just, if there's a dumb answer, he just, not that that was a dumb answer, but he would just stare off into the crowd. 
and uh, yeah, do yeah. his thing. But you had him laughing, and uh, that's a, that's a win right there. Uh, Gerald McCoy, thanks so much. That was terrific. No longer three X, but we won't. We don't need to get into that. Right, uh, right. Great job. You can see Gerald on uh, NFL Network. Thanks so much for coming on, pal. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Our guest today is one of my very favorites. I know I say that a lot, but I actually mean it this time. He is a three-time Super Bowl champ, a two-time Pro Bowler, co-host of Schlereth and Evans weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain on 104.3 The Fan in Denver. And watch him call games for the Fox TV network. He's got soap opera looks and coincidentally has never used a bar of soap in his life. The man affectionately known as Stink, Mark Schlereth, is here. What's happening, Stink? Oh, uh, you know, I'm just uh, plugging away, man. Sal, how are you, man? Always good to be with you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Um, I don't really come out to L.A. anymore, so uh, it's good to see you. It's been a while. We miss you in L.A. What is it? The fires? The earthquakes? Well, I mean, there's so many reasons to stay away. What is it? Uh, no, it's just that they quit using me on television. Those shows, I, I, you know, I'm mostly just yeah. doing, I do a game every weekend. So they quit bringing me in, um, which like, I'm not upset about. I do, I still do call and cow her, but I just do it over zoom or whatever, it, you know, what FaceTime or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever they say. You're me too good. With, so you're too good yeah. for those shows. It doesn't matter. Let me ask you, how much do, do you think social media plays a part in the itchy trigger finger? Some of these owners have these days. I mean, every, everything it's uh, a yeah. lot of opinions, shining a, a lot of uninformed opinions, but do you think that kind of like uh, is, serves as a catalyst? Oh, I think, yeah, I don't think there's any question that there is so much information and so much of it is just faulty information. Um, mm -hmm. So, but, but I definitely think that those are things that weigh heavy on ownership and patience in today's age of social media and of football in general, um, just really doesn't exist. Like, you know, we call draft and development. Well, the development takes time. You know, I heard Mike Vrabel say this and it really resonated with me. There is getting better and there is being better. Getting better is the process, the work that goes into it. Being better is the result. You don't automatically get to being better until you start getting better. Right. And I like Smart. to say that I like to say that that winning doesn't start when you win. It starts way before winning. Right. There's there's a process that goes into learning how to win, learning how to like learning how and seeing the results of your labor. And when you start to look at it from the standpoint of, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do, right? Now, let me, as a coach, here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're going to do it. Here's as, as how it's going to affect us as a football team. And here's how it's going to affect you and you and you and you individually. And then mm -hmm. when you lay that all out for your players, and you know what? And then all of a sudden it happens just the way the coach says it's going to happen. That's when you start to go, man. Like, I believe in what this guy is doing. I believe in what we're putting in. And that's when you start getting total and complete buy-in from your players. That's, you know, called establishing a culture. And that takes time 
And there's got to be some results along the way that you are, that are tangible, that you can taste, you know, that you can feel. Um, and, and that just doesn't happen to me. It just doesn't happen overnight. Well, and here's the thing. And you, you give Vrabel credit. I think you said something smart. I read, uh, it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take a lot longer because the rules are such that you can't commiserate with your players as much as you used to be able to. You can't, there's not as many padded practices. It's not as much meeting time uh, allowed for it. So whereas social media and everything else um, suggests that you have less time to get it done because the itchy trigger trigger figures, as we talked about, you got to figure it out. You know, this is like a, a, a band not having access to a recording studio that much. Like, yeah, just go out there and give us your best. So I don't know. It's a mess, isn't it? It really is. You know, I was in Detroit a couple weekends ago and uh, Roger Goodell was there. And so I'm on the field and I see Roger and, you know, hey, Stink, what's going on? And, and we, you know, exchange pleasantries. And then, you know, then we just start talking. And one of the topics came up is, you know, we've got so many quarterback injuries. And right now we've set a record in the National Football League. Ten rookies have started this season so far. Jeez. And he says, what are we, how are we going to do this? What, what are we going to do like to, to protect our quarterbacks? And like until you start. Until you guys figure out how to get the dudes back in the facilities to train and to practice and to develop, um, this is going to be a problem. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of those, I'm the Pied Piper of offensive line, but to me, it's the most skilled position in football. And we have taken away the, the we have taken away the development process, the skill that's required uh, to do the job. You know, and I always tell people, and I've probably told you this before, but I'll tell you again, we are collecting field by far <laughs> collectively we just it's just a fact it's the way it is now we're expected when we line up to win 100 percent of our battles so i'm going to line up against you you are exponentially a better athlete than i am mm. and if i don't block you 65 out of 65 times if i give up a sack and a couple of quarterback pressures I'm a piece of garbage and you go to the Pro Bowl. Right. Right. You tell me one other sport, one other at all, where unlike athletes match up. Now, size wise, we're about the same, but athletically, like there's these guys are freak shows. You got Montez Sweat turning the corner, running 4440 at 270, 275. You know, it's 6'6. Six, six. Like you got dudes turning corners that are that are legit 438 speed guys, right? And give me one other, like you don't. Like an NBA superstar center and a 6'3 point guard drives by him and lays it up. You don't go, get his ass out of there, man. He sucks <laughs> at defense, right? You're just like, hey, man, they got us. But yeah. that's not how it works when it's an offensive line. So that skill, I heard Russ Grimm say this in his retirement speech, my former teammate with Washington. He said, there is no greater skill moving a man from point A to point B against his will. And I'm a hundred percent on board with that. And we have eliminated that because, you know, we don't want to give players insurance benefits and we don't want to do this and we don't want to give guaranteed contracts. And I understand all that. I get all that, but diminishing the product and putting your quarterbacks in more of harm's way based on, Hey, we're going to lock ourselves out of the facilities. Yeah. Like I always look at this, like we got these hundred million dollar facilities with chiropractic care and massage therapists and aqua, you know, the, 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 the hot tub get into, you know, all that, mm-hmm. all that stuff that you have. 
um, whatever those things are called. And we lock ourselves out of those, those facilities for four months. And we go to Arizona as players and pay $150,000 to train with somebody when we have all that stuff at our facility, because why we don't want to bump into a coach. Right. Really? That's, 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 I mean, we, as players, our negotiation tactics are just stupid. We are dumb. We're just dumb. And, but you know what, that's the, that's the game we play. And that's, that's why the product in my mind has suffered. All right. So practically let's talk about that. So in the next, you know, collective bargaining agreement, what would you do? Because you can't make those mandatory, right? Do you make those optional for the, you know, to show up in April or whatever? Uh, and then would people, would players, today's players take advantage of that? I'm trying to figure out, I think you're right when you say, you know, not as good athletes. I, first of all, you're selling yourself a little short. The punters are the worst athletes. So they have that. Mm -hmm. But has the gap increased in terms of athleticism for edge rushers versus offensive linemen in the last 20 years? If that's the case, that, that would make sense. A plus what you're saying about access to facilities and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I was playing, man, a lot of the defensive ends were like run stuffers, you know? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is you didn't have specialty. So, um, when I first got in the league, you studied one guy and you played against that guy. When I was exiting the league, I'd study four or five guys because they're rotating that many different people on you throughout the course of a game. And so it, it certainly has changed. Those, those dynamics has changed. The other thing is the edge player has become a specialty player, mm -hmm. you know, and that guy's got to be able to drop and that guy's got to be able to cover the pass and that guy's got to be able to rush the passer. And there's a lot of different aspects to that. So it certainly has changed to a degree in the way the game is played and the way those guys, those athletes, you know, have become very prominent there. But yeah, I mean, and it's I a sexy position in high yeah, school and college, yeah. right? You want to be Cer that guy. Certainly. I mean, yeah, yeah, certainly. And I always lived in the city that I played in, you know, because that was just the way it was. And so you could go and you could train and, and you know, as soon as the season started, you take a couple of weeks off, go on vacation. Then I was back in the gym. You know, mm -hmm. and I was at the facility, you know, five days a week or whatever it was. But that that's just kind of the way we did it back then. Um, you know, the bottom line, the owners know that we don't have um, the intestinal fortitude to actually withstand a lockout at any for any length of time. So right. they know that. I mean, I call this the 80-20 rule. And. And it's just true. And this is why we as players will never stand up in, in, a, in a lockout situation because 20% of the guys make 80% of the money. Mm -hmm. And then the other 80% of the guys fight for the 20% that's left over. And so you can say what you want, but by the time you lock people out for six months and July rolls around, dudes need paychecks. Right. And 60% of the guys, which it, you have to ratify the vote with a 60% or 65% or whatever it is, guess what? The guys who need paychecks, the 80% of us are all going to say, yep, that sounds good to me. I'll take that deal. Sure. And the 20% of the guys who don't need any money, who can survive, they're not paying the bill. So they get outvoted 100% of the time. And the owners know it. So the owners will dig their heels in and say, hey, we're not giving you guys insurance and we're not giving you guys this and we're not giving you guys that. We don't we don't need to. So yeah. it's it, it, you know, we'll stomp our feet and we'll go, no, we're not doing it. And we're going to have solidarity and we're together, but we will roll over as soon. I mean, 
As soon as guys yeah. start missing paychecks, we will roll over without even thinking about it. Right. The David Teppers win again. Um, let's talk about that city you're in. You're one of your former teams, the Denver Broncos. They've really turned things around. Six and five now. They've won five in a row after starting one and five. I picked Sean Payton in August to win coach of the year at 14 to one odds. That was in August. He's now 16 to one odds. How is that possible? I mean, maybe no, maybe he's not Dan Campbell or or uh, D'Amico Ryans, but should he have lost value as coach of the year? This guy's done great things since giving up 70 points against the Dolphins. Yeah, I think he's. I think it's been incredible, and I will tell you, man, if they make it to the playoffs, they've got to go. I, I think they've got to go four and two down the stretch here in the last six games to get themselves to ten and seven. I think ten and seven in the AFC will get you in, and mm-hmm. you know because they beat Buffalo and because they, you know, they they've got some quality wins. They beat you know Cleveland. If it comes down to tiebreakers, um, I think they'll win some tiebreakers there from a head-to-head competition standpoint. I'm with you. I think, obviously, D'Amico Ryan's what he's been able to do, incredible, especially with a rookie quarterback. I get that. And Dan Campbell. But Dan Campbell was expected. There's not one analyst or one person out there that's a gambling kind of person that didn't think Detroit or didn't have Detroit pick to win the NFC North. Right. Everybody did, right? But nobody really thought the Denver Broncos, would, especially after starting one and five, and you mentioned the Miami game, like, there's nobody that thought they would dig their way out of this hole. And they certainly have. And it is it is completely, it's coaching. And it's getting your players to buy in. It's telling your quarterback, hey, listen, you're not going to be the focal point of our offense. You're going to manage our offense. And to get him to buy into that based upon, you know, where he and what he did last year. Um, I went through the, the tape this morning. I always do this thing on my radio show um, called Telestrator Tuesday. And I go through the coach's tape. And the question was, hey, a lot of people said Garrett Bowles absolutely dominated Miles Garrett. And can you look at it and see like, like that matchup? Mm-hmm. So I went through the tape in 70 plays. Now, obviously, Miles Garrett is rotating through, right? So he's probably doing 50 of the 70 plays because that's how defense works. Mm-hmm. Of those of those 50 plays, I I found one, one, one-on-one block on a three-step drop between Garrett Bowles and Miles, wow. Garrett, and Miles Garrett. One. <laughs> they were blocking him with two tight ends. Half the time in the run game, they didn't even block him. They ran away from him, ran jet sweep to hold him the opposite way, never even touched him. There were so many, if they did go to that side, it was usually three-step drops with a slide that way. So Garrett Bowles could set the outside. He had inside guard help. Or the tight end chip, 1,001, bam, out. So it's wide delay, right? So they they blocked him a million different ways in the Hmm. run game, in the pass game. And by the end of that game, he quit. And they said he's he's got a wrist injury, and I buy that. But he was like, you could see. I am so frustrated. I have not got a sniff of the quarterback. The only thing they're doing is running bubble screens and swing passes to the backs and three-step drops. Like, I'm not going to affect this quarterback. And that's that's coaching. That's going, we have an issue here. And as good as our player is, and, and Garrett Bowles has become a very good player, but as good as our player is, if we drop back and do a bunch of five-step drops with hitches, we're going to get murdered. 
mm-hmm. because that dude is so that that Miles Garrett is a free. I don't know if you've ever met him. Like no, if I I'm look, not. if I look like that, I would never have clothes on. I would just walk <laughs> around naked all the time. Like the dude is six foot six, two hundred ninety five pounds, chiseled from a piece of granite, six pack. I mean, he he's always shirt. Every time I've seen him, he's shirtless. I'm like, I don't blame it. I'd be shirtless too if I looked like that. He yeah. is an absolute. I mean, it's incredible. And but that is understanding. That's understanding. Like our weakness, how do we, not so much about how do we attack the Cleveland Browns, how do we mitigate our own potential disasters? That's coaching. And Sean has done an incredible job with coaching that football team, especially, as you mentioned, after giving up a 70 burger to Miami, like I was like, hey man, fire everybody. It's a like fire sale. You like, you can't, but Mm -hmm. To his credit, man, stayed the course, got his guys to believe, got them playing better, and now you're sitting there at five and six with five straight wins. Yeah, because I guess maybe if there was an award for comeback coach of the year, he should definitely get it, right? But there isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if it's wins above expectation after those first couple of weeks, you probably thought the Broncos were a three-win team, right? And so now they're yeah, sure. they're sniffing the playoffs. I want to talk about these Chiefs and uh, real quick before I let you go with uh, with, with Kelsey and, and Swift. Your daughter Avery was a contestant on Catching Kelsey, right? Yes. Have you discussed yeah. with her her thoughts on this whole Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift? with romance because she's someone who could have some real insight yeah she could have some insight no i did i did not i did not discuss <laughs> that with avery when she was home apparently i'm 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 really shirking my duties as an nfl analyst because i didn't ask about about swifties you know and uh <laughs> and and travis swift so uh we'll see what happens i i told him if he married my daughter he had to change his name to schlereth so, because he, <laughs> my daughter not thinking that Kelsey name for crying out loud. Um, right? No, I, you know what? What I like, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. It's, it's cool. And I think the biggest thing for me, forgetting about that, but looking at Kansas City, you know, last year Kansas City really the, at one point they were playing into the playoffs, but they were playing seven rookies on their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, late, like through this, through, through the season, but anytime they get in a dime, you know, which is six defensive backs, right. One linebacker, six right. DBs and four defensive linemen. Um, they had in, in that, in that personnel grouping, they had seven rookies on the football field. Seven of their yeah. 11 players were rookies. And it was, it was either rookies or rookies and first year players. I think it was rookies, but anyhow, but th- they were super, super young. And there was this process that went on and on. And by the time they got to the Super Bowl, man, they were dialed in. Mm-hmm. And you know what they did? That development worked out. And then you look at them offensively right now. And I feel like they've gone through this offense. Last week was the first week in, in the first time in weeks that they had scored a touchdown in the second half. And you're like, well, they got to yeah. find somebody to take some pressure off of Kelsey and, and give give Mahomes another target that he can trust. And I'm telling you, the development of this Rice kid, if he continues to move forward that way, uh, what mm-hmm. is it, Rasheed Rice? or like, yeah. That kid's a dynamic player. And if you get that kid going, Isaiah Pacheco is going to give you 
opportunity in the run game and the in the passing game out of the backfield. Travis Kelsey in this Rice kid, like all of a sudden their defense has kind of been what you can count on throughout this season. If you can start counting on that offense here in November and and the rest of the year in December and early January, all of a sudden you know Kansas City looks like Kansas City again. Yeah, well, the bar is low. I mean, I, I'm sure if you ask Patrick Mahomes, like, hey, do we? I, I don't even need a speedster like Tyreek Hill. Just give me someone who can get separation and catch the freaking ball, like, right? Yeah. They, you don't want seven drops a game. It's uh, disgusting uh, yeah. for them. Uh, real back quickly to Taylor Swift. Who was your Taylor Swift? Early in your career, you weren't married, but who would have been your Taylor Swift? If we looked at the luxury box, Madonna watching the game with your mom or Tina Turner or who uh, you think? Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, who would have been somebody that I would look at? You know what? I, I got to be honest with you. I'm just not very like I don't know celebrities very well. It's a matter of Alaska. What's wrong? I know. Yeah. I know. I'm trying to think. Is there somebody that I really liked back in the day? Um, Musical artist, female. Uh, I love Natalie Merchant, but I loved her voice. I don't. All right. Yeah. Okay. That would have been yeah. it. That would have been the Kelsey Swift thing. The Schlereth Merchant. All right. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I expect, kinda, expected a little more, question, but that's fine. That question backfired on you right there. <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> hey, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Alaska. There's to- to- uh, talks of expansion in the NFL. Maybe a team in Europe. What about a team in like Anchorage or at least a game up there? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, no, but I, lo- <laughs> I mean, I love the thought process, but yeah, you could, yeah. you could play an August game up there and then you, you're hitting winter, you know, by October you're hitting winter. So it's not that much yeah, colder dad- than Buffalo. Is it, is it that much worse? No, 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 it's, it's not, it's not that bad. Although I've, hmm. I've been talking to my dad and he's been shoveling nonstop. They've gotten so much snow up there this year already. Wow. Tons of it. Tons of it. Tons of snow. Yeah. All right. Listen, I appreciate all the time. 104.3, the fan in Denver, Fox sports every Sunday. And Hey, don't be afraid to purchase Mark stinking good green chili. I bought 30 containers and don't be a puss bag. People get the spicy variety, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right out. Let's go. Let's go. Good time. Stink, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. We're going to be right back to wrap things up on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, 
brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. You must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. You have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y in New York. 